Good afternoon, everyone. Chris Berryman here, coalition builder and founder of You know what today is, ladies and gentlemen? It is Traffic Tuesday, and you know what that means? It is sharing care with Sandy because Sandy Chernoff is here today, ready to, as they say in some of the industries I've heard on, on live streams, to bake your bagels. So we're going to bake some bagels today. I'm not a baker, but I don't play one on TV, so just let you know. Um, Again, welcome everyone to our Bringing Humanity Together live stream. This is one up. Uh, uh, this is one of. <laughs> I'm tongue tied today. Uh, of the three open forums under the Bringing Humanity Together umbrella, uh, where people can discuss topics related to the workplace and humanity in the workplace in a very positive and constructive way. We want to know what the issues that are out there that are facing people today, because it's our goal, our mission, our passion, our purpose to both work with employers and employees to bring humanity back into the workforce. And as always, we'll be going live every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, all at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Feel free to invite your friends, your co-workers, um, your, your fur baby sitting beside you and say, it's sharing care time, sharing care. You'll be looking at them and say, hey, time to turn it on. So we'll turn it on. So uh, please, uh, even on the replay, use the hashtag replay when you share it. And let us know where you're watching from, too, as well, even if you're on live. And we would love to have that great and engaging conversation with you. And just remember, as always, Tuesday is Share Care with Sandy. I host Conversation for Humanity on Wednesday. And then Carla will host uh, Humanity Happy Hour on Thursday. And hello, Miss Sandy. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. We finally stopped raining here, Chris. Today the we rain have, has stopped. It finally stopped. The sun is actually out today. Oh, nice! Like I don't have a light on here today. I actually have sunshine coming in. So you know, that's right. of, yes, you, you got the skylight above you, don't you? Well, I have a you know I have lights here. I have a skylight in my front hall, and I have a. Well, skylight. yeah, I know there was one, but I just didn't know where it was. And nice. uh, but it's just you know for today and tomorrow are, are supposed to be nice. Hi, Carla. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. But here's the thing, Chris. There was so much rain that there are some towns that they actually gave evacuation notices to everybody in the town. Like Merritt is a small town in BC. There's 7,000 people. They told the whole town to clear out because there's so much flooding. And they've closed a lot of the highways and you can't, and they've had landslides. And it's just, it's absolutely been terrible we've had over a hundred millimeters of rain wow that's been horrible plus well because you know also it was such a dry summer that there have been a lot of trees that have fallen down so there were thousands of people that have power outages fortunately you know we haven't in vancouver proper there isn't as much except on the areas that are close to rivers or close to the ocean but um a lot of the towns in BC that are on rivers, uh, it's just, it, it's been horrible. In fact, one area where they where the highway was literally washed away and with cars on it, and the cars got washed down embankments and, and people, and they closed the highway and, and these people couldn't go anywhere. So they were sort of stuck in their cars overnight. And so they finally brought in a, a helicopter, a big army helicopter, wow. taking some of these people out so they could you know go somewhere and sleep in a bed or whatever and of course some of them had kids in the car and, you know uh -huh. they were, oh it was awful 
So, you know, when I was watching the news this morning, I just couldn't believe what a mess everything wow. was. And in Vancouver, this is really funny. We have a seawall that goes around our Stanley Park. And a lot of people walk and cycle and run on it. And there was a barge, a huge thing, that somehow got off its moorings. And it was roaming around in the beach. And it, it actually beached on the beach, like it got stuck on the wow. beach. But they closed the Burrard Street Bridge because they were afraid this thing was going to bang into the bridge. And maybe it would knock it down. Mm -hmm. so they actually closed the bridge. They got police cars at either end. People were allowed to go across the bridge. It's up to the owner to re-secure this thing. So, you know, I guess they... Well, it's secure on the beach, isn't it? Well, but if, the, you know, exactly. with, with these waves because of the wind, Carla, it could dislodge it again and it could start yeah. rolling around. So it's actually up to the owner. They've been contacted and they're, I guess, you know, trying to make arrangements to do something with this bloody thing. But it's just, I feel so sorry for, you know, all these families that got stuck on these roads and... And they closed so many towns, like they closed Merritt and they closed Chilliwack and they closed Hope. And, you know, people were stuck in these places. They couldn't get out because all the highways are flooded. And so, so and yeah. people, I mean, they were telling people today, don't go anywhere. You know, and yesterday when Yale went to work, I was worried because, you know, it was raining so hard. So I phoned him and I said, so how was it? He said, well, there was one big puddle near the Tama Torah, which is the Jewish parochial <laughs> school. But he said, other than that, it was fine. But because um, I just wondered what the roads were like, because they've closed, you know, they've closed some of the roads because they're so, you know, these big puddles and, you know, you can hydroplane and you can't control your car. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, it was pretty scary, but no, Yale was fine. Thank goodness, because I was kind of worried about that. Well, he goes very early in the morning, so there's fortunately not a lot of traffic. He leaves here before 6.30, so it's not a lot of traffic going downtown. But, um, yeah, it's been just horrible here lately. I heard that. I was reading a thing in the, online yesterday about um, how um, it's going to be a mild winter down here in Georgia and Florida and the southeast because of, we're having an El Nino. Mm -hmm. El Nino, yeah. The currents that come out of the Pacific and that it pushes the Gulf Stream higher, so the northern part of the country is going to get a lot more winter weather than than uh, normal. Well, they've already had snow on on some of the highways too. Like wow, wow, some of the passes, like you know, 10, 20 centimeters. I mean, we're not talking about a, a light dusting; we're talking about actual snow. No. And and Whistler's getting tons of snow. Like you don't want to, you don't want to drive on the Sea to Sky Highway either. So, you know, it's just it's it's weird weather, and it's all got to do with this climate stuff, because it's just you know it's it's not normal, but we're causing all this to happen, and it's just, it's scary. It, it's just terrible. I don't, you know, I don't know what else to say about it because I've told you guys that normally we don't get much snow here in Vancouver, but it'll be interesting to see what happens this winter. Maybe we yeah. will. Who knows? Don't know. We have had some winters that have, you know, where we've had a lot of snow, but it's pretty rare. Mostly it just rains here. Yeah, I think we had like one day last year in Georgia, and that was the weekend of my birthday. But it was just really, it was just like enough to 
In fact, we had gone out to eat with my dad and it was raining at his house. And when we got up to my house, it was snowing and icing. And it's just enough to kind of cover the grass, but nothing, nothing serious. So well, it's just, you know, I, I feel sorry for my grandsons because unless we actually do something about this, God only knows what it's going to be like when they're adults. You yeah. know, it's just, um, we're wrecking this planet. I mean, we really and truly well, are. I think we got more to worry about than the climate, but that's just one thing on the list. Yeah. Yeah. The world, the world is a mess, Carla. There's no, yes, it is. The world's a mess. Yes. no question about it. Over and above the, the pandemic, you've got all these wars in, in a lot of the African countries and some of these other countries. Yeah. It's just, it's so sad. Mm -hmm. You know, like you look at the Middle East and, you know, some of these leaders, they just kill their own people. And you kind of see. They haven't them. liked each other for thousands of years. I don't think that any intervention from us is going to change that. It's, it's so sad, you know, yeah. that, they, that they just kill their own people. Mm -hmm. You sort of sit there going, like, what are you doing? I know. And then they yeah. want to kill everybody else that doesn't agree with them. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it's just so weird. I mean, I feel sorry for Israel. They're surrounded. Well, you, know? you know what we say? Israel lives in a bad neighborhood. Good <laughs> neighborhood, yeah. That's what we say. Because <laughs> all the people around them want to kill them. They want to. They want to completely destroy the country and push everybody into the sea. Hey, and, you know, whatever. If, if God led led the Israelites out of Egypt, you'll be fine. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Fortunately, they have a very strong military, and if anybody oh, tries yeah. anything, they aren't going to get away with it because most of these other places, even though they have more people, they're not. It's not well organized. No. Not like not like the Israelis. So. You yeah, know, they're top it's, notch. They're top notch. But it's just, you know, the whole thing is kind of interesting. I mean, you know, I've been to Israel probably six, seven, eight times. And one of the times um, we went to Egypt. And at the border, you had to get out of the Israeli bus and onto an Egyptian bus. <laughs> we wouldn't let the Israeli okay. come into the okay. country. <laughs> it was just, I mean, Egypt is a very interesting place to visit. I mean, you know, that you've got the pyramids and you've got the Nile and, you know, you've got all these different things that are very interesting to see. And we had a, we had a lovely time there just because it was so fascinating. But, um, you know, it, it's just, we couldn't believe they made us get off the bus. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bus. Yeah. It's just a bus, you know, it's like, we got to get on an Egyptian bus. Okay. Well, you know, got to do what you got to do. So you get on the Egyptian bus. And what we did in the end is we didn't take the bus home. We flew home. We decided, you know, it's enough of this. We'll just get on a plane. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, I mean, you know, we went to the, to the major museums there and I mean, they have really interesting things to see. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, I've heard. yeah, I've heard fascinating. Um, the other country I would sort of like to visit is Jordan. Mm -hmm. to see some of the things in Jordan. But uh, right now, I don't think it's terribly safe. So I, no. I would go. But um, there are, Israel is, it's an amazing place to visit. Yeah, I'd love to go there. There's so many amazing things to see there. And of course, Jerusalem is beautiful. And Tel Aviv is like New York. I'm not kidding you. It is like New is York. It really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, 
but Jerusalem has amazing architecture, and of course, it's got all kinds of ancient things. And of course, it's it's the center of of, of Judaism and, and Christianity and right and um, Islam. So right. you know, there's lots of things to see there, and um, it's it's just it's an amazing place. Um, our kids have both been there. They went as students, and because there are special programs for for kids, and they went and, and had a wonderful time. Who is this? Oh, it's my husband. How are you, Chris? I am doing great on this terrific Tuesday. Another great day to be alive and another gift, not only to receive, but also to give as well. And uh, I'm just so thankful and honored I'm here again uh, for another day. So I am yeah. blessed. What's that country song? It's a great day to be alive. I don't know who sings it, but I know who you're talking about. I do. I do remember that song. Yes. Yes. I won't sing it because I can't sing, but. I can't sing either, but that's beside the point, you know. (laughs) It's beautiful. But but there should be something to sing about, though, come this Friday. Someone's having an anniversary. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm playing golf. I'm going out to dinner. Oh, yeah, it's my anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, I just had one last week. So we're only like a week apart. So we can't miss that anymore. We know that now. (laughs) And you you and Jim have been married the same exact years that we have been. I know. We got married a week apart. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that weird? That's really weird. So where did you get married at, though? We got married um, at uh, St. Monica's Catholic Church. Oh, nice. And in fact, we had the priest and then the priest from our sister parish and Hinch uh, uh, from um, Haiti. Yeah. I'll spit it out in a minute. He, he was in town. So we had two priests at our wedding and he sang in Creole at our wedding. And I'm thinking he's going on and on and on. Jumps goes, what's he saying? I said, I don't know. I can pick out a few words of French. And we're up there kneeling, you know, going, look at him. Is he done yet? And then he stayed with a, um, one of the docs that I know from our medical mission. And Jim says, hey, y'all got the short version. He's been up since 5 o'clock in the morning practicing in the bathroom mirror. He was so excited. Well, when I told him I was getting married, he goes, well, I'm going to come to your wedding. And I was like, no, you don't have to because, I mean, it costs money, you know. He's got family in New York. and coming to Atlanta, you know. He goes, what, you don't want me to come? No, it's not that I don't want you to come. So, so we have to put that out there, ladies and gentlemen, that I had my anniversary last Friday and it was a, a phenomenal weekend. I just basically spent time with my wife. Years. Yeah, yeah. So I've been with, with her for, actually, I've been with her since 1998. So when you add up the time, 98 to 2005 plus to where we are now, so you add that up, that's a lot of time, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm just so thankful and honored to have Mindy as my wife and supporter and lifelong friend. And when Carla said, Hey, my, my anniversary is next week. I'm like, okay, I can't get fit. I can't forget that no more. Yeah, no so our anniversaries are a week apart and we got married the same year. So we've both been married 16 years. Yep. 
And that's amazing. So congratulations to you. I've got you both beat. Oh, I know you do. In December, yeah. Yale and I will be married 49 years. Well, if I had been my first marriage, it was it would be 31 total. So okay. yeah. I surpassed my first marriage. So there you go. There, there, there's the positive in that. I love it. I love it. But again, Carla, happy anniversary yeah, to you and Jim beforehand. Because I know you won't be on this call on Thursday. So we'll wish you in the best. And now, the big question is, who's going to take care of Cosmo? Oh, he's going to the vet. Ah. He's get spoiled at the vet with playtime twice a day and walks every night. Nice. So are you going away? Hmm? Are you going away to celebrate? Oh yeah, we're going down to um, Gulf Shores, Alabama, to play golf. Oh and, nice! And then walk on the beach. Very nice. For our fiftieth, we're going to take um, our daughter and our son and daughter-in-law and our two grandsons, and we're going to. I think we're going to go to an all-inclusive resort. Oh fun! Where would you want to go? Well, we might go back to Mexico. Yale and I went to a place there that was fantastic. But I told Mark that he could do some research and if they found some place that they, they thought the boys would prefer that we would, you know, deal with that. That's what we're going to do for our 50th. So. Oh, fun. Yeah. Well, we figured we'd do something with the kids. So. All right. Very good. Very good. So this is what I want us to discuss this week. Uh, in about leadership and future-based language. How is that interconnected? So I did some research on YouTube before we started the live stream, and I saw this from, uh, I want to make sure I get his name right. He has his own YouTube channel, and I guess he might be from Britain, but his name is Nick Muller. And he has a uh, video about, leadership and future-based language and this comes from last week when brian and um graham was talking about future-based language and i'm thinking to myself this would be an awesome topic to, dis to discuss so here is nick muller about future-based language and leadership and let's hear from him how does that interconnected to one another okay hi welcome back so Today, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about leadership and some of what's required to get this leadership aspect of taking a company forward right. So I just want to talk to you a little bit about the problem with leadership. So the thing is with leadership is our business will grow to the level of leadership that we provide to the organization. So unfortunately, or fortunately, as the case may be, because it's one of the easiest aspects to change in an organization is the the leader's ability to lead we can actually increase the leader's ability to lead very quickly by empowering them with the right tools because ultimately we never learned this at school when you don't have the right tools it's a little bit like the blind leading the blind we kind of kind of know where we want to go but we keep getting stuck in recurring cycles and wound up in fishing wire is the analogy that I use. So ultimately, when we aren't moving to a place where we're trying to leverage and scale and share and delegate responsibility effectively, what happens is we become part of the problem. And as a consequence, the business doesn't grow. 
So I discovered this about 10 years ago. And before that, I'd been running my own organization that I started from a bedroom startup and took it to a commercial enterprise. And partway through, I was actually a mortgage broker in the early days. Partway through, I got stuck. I got stuck in the roller coaster of having to find work and do more work and find work and do more work. And when I focused on chasing work, the production and the delivery wasn't happening. Then I'd go and focus on the delivery and the finding work wasn't happening. And, and I really got to see that I had a very narrow or shallow internal locum of control is the psychological term. But essentially, I could only grow to about eight staff, essentially, anymore. And I'd started to run into trouble. Eight to 12 staff is kind of the, that's kind of the area that a lot of businesses get stuck. So I needed to cross that bridge and I couldn't cross that bridge operating the way I had been in terms of the locum of control, which is basically me doing everything and putting out all the fires and running around like a headless chock from fire to fire, essentially. And so I needed to build structure and get those get the business to grow. And so when I realized that, the whole game changed and basically I went from a high peaks and troughs in terms of the roller coaster cash flow that is the effect of leading that way to consistent growth and the growth after that point was quite significant so it was a nice experience to have break through that so now what I do is I work with organizations to lead their category sell properly or in a way that the marketplace finds very tasteful so they buy in a way that makes the customers want to stay for a long period of time and teach their people to be empowered and own their roles and support the organization's direction. So abdicating responsibility is what a lot of people do. Abdicate responsibility. And we don't want to abdicate responsibility. We don't want to just get it off our plate. We actually want to share it. I don't tell you why. I've got a spell checker on my whiteboard. But we want to share responsibility, not abdicate it. And when you share it, you actually create more accountability reciprocally because basically you're not trying to get off the hook and you're not trying to force somebody else to be on the hook. You're actually sharing responsibility and also you're sharing the outcome. If you do that well, you can share a whole lot of responsibility and still have quite a strong level of control or empowerment over the outcome, all of a sudden you become scalable or your organisation becomes scalable because you can do more with less effort. That's the first part. Second thing, in order to do that, you need tools. And I keep harping on about KPIs and dashboards, and I won't stop because accountability structure will set you free. Accountability and structure is often seen as a constraint, but it isn't. Accountability and structure will absolutely set you free. Now, we have to have a reasonable amount of comfort around failure. And we're not saying people can't fail. We're just saying we're all on the hook to get results or produce results. If you understand these tools, makes your life as a leader a whole lot easier. Okay, and the third principle I want to talk about is future-based language. 
So if you haven't read this book, and I know a lot of people that haven't, I highly suggest you read it, The Three Laws of Performance. And fortunately, it's pretty dog-eared, so I have actually read it multiple times, used it as a guide, not a Bible. What this book talks about is the way that future-based language alters how situations occur. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier. You want to lead people. You need to adjust their thinking to what's going to serve them, and you need to guide them forward along a pathway that suits their direction and our mutual direction. It's very difficult to do that if we're using past-based language. Basically, we become part of the problem and we get wound up in fishing wire. Future-based language comes when we've, we're clear on our direction and we know the steps to get there and we start adjusting people's thinking along the way and essentially herding the cats in such a way, not, not with a shepherd's hook, because tr- have you ever tried herding a cat with a shepherd's hook? I don't think it would work very well. It's really about being a bit of a Pied Piper and true leaders inspire action. So in summary, lifting the ceiling on leadership so that your business can grow, so you can own your market position, take a strong position, is about, number one, delegating responsibility through sharing responsibility as opposed to abdicating responsibility and getting people on board with that. Number two, having the tools So having the internal structures and measuring systems and ways to make performance visible. And number three, operating from a future-based place where people are essentially inspired and invigorated to be part of the journey. Now, isn't that amazing, ladies, that we can take future-based language into literally empowerment and this gets, like I said before, this came from Brian Sumner and Graham Fort on last week's call. And they've been talking with me a lot about that, which when future-based language is really there. And that's why I wanted to, to be in that kind of space and, and topic of this week, because I truly believe in the power of positivity, the power of possibility. And those possibilities may in, in there and lie within the very language that we use. So, Marie, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing today on Terrific Tuesday? I'm doing well. I thought it started at three, so sorry I tuned in late. All right, no worries, no worries. We're glad you're here. So, Sandy, what's your thoughts? It's a different way of looking at leadership, I guess, for some people. But the truth is that the best leaders delegate the most and anything that's delegated, you have to be accountable for. So even the leader has to be accountable because they got to pick the right person to delegate to. So it's a matter of, you know, understanding what the structure is and how to utilize it to the best advantage in terms of what it's going to do for your business. And I think that the more involved your partners are, in the actual running of the business and you know how they fit into the puzzle you know which piece they are where they sit then you're going to get much more out of them it's just a matter of them understanding how they fit into the big picture and i think it's up to the leader to help them to understand that and to help them to fulfill their potential in terms of whatever it is they want to do 
and even how they want to do it. Because again, and we've talked about this before, it doesn't need to be your way. If they have a way of doing it and they still are getting the results that you're looking for, why do we care how they're doing it? It shouldn't really matter. So it's just understanding and appreciating what these different people bring to the table and how we can get the most out of them for their benefit and for the benefit of the organization. And that really is up to the leadership to try and figure that out and then support these people so that they can do that. And I think that's what he was trying to say. And yeah, and it's, and it's really true, Chris. You know, if you have a good internal culture, yeah, and that's how you're going to get it. Listen, learn, and lead. But if you have a good internal culture, you will have a successful, long-lasting business because you will have very little turnover. And when people are proud of where they work and happy where they're working, they're going to be good to your customers because they want them to keep coming. And so you won't need to worry about customer service either, which is another aspect of, of a strong business is having consistent, excellent customer service. You know, when, when everything's going well, it's fine. But when there's a problem, it's got to be resolved in a way that makes that person happy. So they're going to keep coming back. So, you know, it's just a matter of what are you doing and how are you dealing with it? And so you've got to give your people a little bit of leeway, you know, in terms of, yes, we have to have some policy and you can't give the store away. But I think one of the questions to ask someone when something bad has happened is what would make you happy? And if at least we can do some of the things that would make them happy, it's a win. You know, it's totally a win. And so, again, it's a matter of teaching them what to do and helping them to be able to do it. And if you can do that, you are going to be successful and your business will be successful and you will have happy um, partners, if you will, who will stay with you. Because when people are unhappy, and you and I were talking about this before it got started, Chris, you know, when you're working with people who are not nice to you and don't appreciate or value you, and Carla and I have both been in that position, you don't want to work there. I mean, you know, when, when getting up and going to work is just, oh, God, I'm going to do this again today, you know. I mean, that's, that's not a way to be looking at your job because it's just not fun and it's just not what you want to do, that you go to a job that you hate and you don't even like the people you work with or you don't like your boss or whatever it is. It's not a good way to be surviving. And the reason some people get stuck is because they're afraid they can't find another job. And when you have financial responsibilities, you have to you know, take care of those. But it's just a matter of looking around and seeing if you can't find something similar with somebody who's nicer. I mean, yep. you know, again, it's, they're just, as I've mentioned before, just because someone has an idea for a business doesn't mean they're going to be a good boss because a lot of people don't know how to do that, sadly. Right. And, you know, that means that they're probably not going to have a good culture. And if you don't, your business will struggle. And that's why so many new businesses, especially small businesses, fail because the person leading them doesn't know what the hell they're doing. So they're not doing a good job and, you know, they don't know how to hire people. They don't know how to support people. They don't know how to talk to people. And all these things make it very difficult to keep your business going. So unless you're going to do everything yourself, um, which I do, because I don't have any employees, <laughs> but, you know, it's just a matter of, of figuring out 
because you still have to, depending on what sort of business you have, sometimes you, you need employees. You need people who can help you to keep your business going. I mean, right, yeah. because of what I do, I don't need that. But it just depends. And I think that it's very important that somebody who's running a business knows how to run the business. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ms. Carla, what was your thinking was when you heard about, I know we did a, a, a live stream on this when it comes to responsibility, but when he said the word shared, I thought that was brilliant. What was your thoughts on that when you heard the word shared responsibility? You're muted, Carla. Who are you addressing that to? Uh, it was talking to me and I was on mute. Um, <laughs> when, when you're a leader and you're um, asking somebody to do something, um, you're still in, responsible for the outcome of that. And so it is a shared responsibility. And you also have to have the responsibility that <clears throat> if that person that you've delegated to does not understand how you're doing something or you, they don't understand what the what their, the outcome's supposed to be or whatever, you have a responsibility to show them how to do it. And you have a responsibility in what you get out of it, even though you you delegated it to them. You don't throw somebody over, out under the bus. Well, I told so-and-so how to do it, and I told them how to do it. It's not my fault that they didn't listen and they didn't do it right. As a leader, you still have responsibility for that. So, Marie, what was your thoughts when you heard about future-based learning <laughs> and leadership interconnected? How did that show up for you? And she's on YouTube. Well, I tuned in late, uh, so I didn't really hear all of it. I don't even actually know what future-based language is, so you'd have to tell me what your definition of that is. You know, we talked about that yesterday because I said the same thing. <laughs> um, and I was even looking it up again before we got on the call. And they were talking about, hold on. Keep talking, I have to find it. Okay. Yeah, Graham said this. He said, I'm very much a student when it comes to future-based language, but I like it how it isn't in isn't past-based. Um, because the guy just did touch upon in the video that uh it, it if we relegate things to the past, it's not going to the to create that possibility within that that new horizon or that existing dynamic that's there. So Here's we, how I, this is what I love. This kind of helped me figure it, figure it out. Okay. Um, they talked about generative, uh, uh, generative language also called future, future based language has the power to create new futures, new vision and eliminate the blinders that keep people from seeing new possibilities. So it's, basically casting the vision for somebody. If, if, if they're new to an organization, you're casting the vision on what 
maybe, for example, their position and what they're doing in their position is how, how important it is to other people in the organization. You know, being great at customer service has such a great, you know, like, let's just say, like, remember the girl I was telling you about at the um, nail place that I went to? She was like, well, I'm just the, the front desk girl. And I said, and I'm, it's like casting a vision to her. Don't you understand the importance of the job that you have? Because when people come in, if you're if you're not attentive to their needs, hi, how are you? How's your day going? It's good to see you again. You haven't been here in a few weeks. You doing okay? That kind of thing. And getting to know people, if they can't connect when they walk in that door, they're going to go elsewhere. And that is 100%. I, I agree with you. I was going to bring up before what you guys were talking about with um, where you feel comfortable in a workplace. Um, you know, I worked for a small business. It was a spa that were, was owned by wonderful people, wonderful people, really sweet, good people, good managers. Um, but what was missing was the employees and them not seeing and correcting the flaws in the employees that was around me. I'm not to say that I was perfect, but I was a hard worker. And in between shifts, I was cleaning and doing stuff and not just sitting around and going to my phone and whatever. Uh, after yeah. a while, I actually started doing that because that's what everybody else was doing. And I actually yeah. complained about it and talked about it a couple of times to management and nothing was done. And mm -hmm. talk about the front desk. Um, uh, one of the people and the reasons I when she sold the spa, one of the reasons I left was because my loyalty was to those two owners. They left, gave it to new owners, but I didn't like the people and the culture that was already there. So I left. I don't owe mm -hmm. these new people anything. Yeah. And plus, it's kind of a side job for me. So um, I decided to just go out more on my own and do more in my own uh, business. And um, one of the reasons I did not want to stay there, it was the front desk person was not nice, not only to some mm -hmm. of the employees selectively, but also not nice to some of the customers making yeah. appointments, saying things like, oh, um, nope, nope, that's not a good date. Nope, not, just making appointments. Nope, not a good time. Nope, that, nope, that doesn't work. Nope, that doesn't work. Just listening to the way uh -huh. she spoke to customers. I was yeah. like, what a horrible front end this is. And it's so important, the person that you see when you first walk in, um, it being in sales my whole life, you know, I was always just as kind to the receptionist as I was to the CEO if I met them. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't matter what level they're on. They're part of that organization and they're just yeah. as important as, you know, the, the front level person is just as important as the CEO and sometimes more important because that's the first thing you see. And um, if you leave a bad impression on that first person too, as a salesperson, that's going to go up the chain. Oh yeah. So you really have to be careful with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that if your culture is, is strong in an organization and people take pride in what they do, then hopefully that will, um, that will come through and how people represent the company. You know, um, I remember where I used to work, I had a good, really good friend of mine she um sadly died of breast cancer but she worked the front desk and we had met back in 2003 so this was like six years that we had worked together and some other people would come in and take her place when she was out for chemo and whatnot and this one girl literally had papers all over the desk and all over the floor she had her little piles of things that she was working on and she was she just had that error of being so disorganized and I'm thinking, and people are supposed to trust you for their payments. You know, it's people don't think about how they they 
present themselves and how they're representing an organization. And a lot of people, you know, like, you know, let's just say you're trying to uh, recruit somebody for a position or something, you know, you have to cast that vision of them working with the company and succeeding in the company and seeing them grow. And, and that that in and of itself is future based language because you're casting that vision for them. Yeah. And this is what Brian just said. And uh, he said it is a different way of communicating, but also this is, I believe from Graham. Let me make sure and check. Uh, he says, if you're, if you use description language to talk about the future, you're limited to the predictions based on the past cycles, current realities, Southron and Logan, 2009. Um, and that is really telling uh, because it really gets to why do we want to live in a past that will literally define, and, and it's like what, Brian, you probably will probably tell this better than me, so I'd love for you to be on the call. It's like what he tells me. We would literally leap right into that very reality, whether it be negative, positive, because of what is there. And it's all about how it shows up to us in relative terms. And it, 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 it gets back in, and I'm now seeing it more and more with what Brian's talking about. It's, it's, it's like what you just said, Carla, and I think it's spot on. Vision casting. That vision casting creates that vision for people. But then with the language that you use with that vision creates that dynamic that is interconnected into itself. Because if you have the vision, you see it. It's there. But then when you hear it, then you see it together. You kind of put in the, the it's almost like what uh, Sandy said. It's put the pieces of the puzzle together. And once we get into that, the other dynamic will come to play, which I know in my heart and hearts it will, is you will feel it. And then once you put them all together, it will go as far as the wide as you allow it to occur. What's your thoughts on that, Carla? Well, my thoughts on that are that um, once you see the vision and once you feel the vision and once you internalize that vision, it becomes your why. And it's no matter what, we'll be able to handle any obstacle that comes because it fulfills our purpose and what we want to do and, and nothing's impossible because you see that long, you see the vision of the future. Right. Well, this, this, this came in from Brian. Brian said future-based language is not creating a vision for another. What do you think about that? <clears throat> I think it can create a vision for another. I've seen it happen time and time again. What's your thoughts on that, Sandy? I think it's very important for the leader to have a vision and to be able to articulate that vision so that everybody else in the organization can also share that vision. And then they have a better chance of knowing how they fit into that picture. So I think it is important 
to have that and to be able to articulate it to the rest of the people in the organization. Because otherwise, what's the point? You know, if people don't understand what this is all about and where we're trying to go and how we, you know, might want to get there, then we're not going to be able to achieve much. So it's very important. And sometimes it's hard for people to articulate that vision. And when they can't, then everybody else doesn't really understand it. So they don't really know what's going on. And when you're not sure what's going on, it's kind of hard to be creative and efficient and all those kinds of things because you're not really sure what we're trying to do. <laughs> well, okay. So so let's keep it. Several, several times ago when Chris, Chris said, hey, I have this vision of what we're going to do with bringing humanities together. And we're going to, let's start off with conversations. And I envision it to look like this. I envision we're going to have share and care with Sandy on Tuesdays and um, bringing humanity together on Wednesdays and, and humanity happy hour on Thursday. We all kind of looked at Chris like, well, okay, so what's that going to look like? That's casting a vision. That is future casting. That is putting it out there and in creating that vision and building that vision together. And I think that that's important for an organization to do as well. You have to, as a leader, know what goals you're going to reach, what your organization is going to look like, what people are going to do. And, you know, you may have an idea of I envision somebody doing X, Y, and Z. And you having that vision would possibly give them the confidence to, to even do it because they never thought that they were they had the possibility to do that. And like it talked about in the description, you take those blinders off and you can actually see the vision because it can lead people into to accomplishing things that they never dreamt that they could do. What's your thoughts on that, Marie? <clears throat> taking it off mute. Sorry. Um, I believe what that person said about not being able to have a vision for another. I don't know why they would say that. Um, <laughs> someone I'm hearing here, I think that, um, you can create, there it is again, not creating a vision for another. I think that as a leader, you can create a vision for the company, for the whole, for the person, for for everyone. You know, maybe it'll change over time for a specific person. Maybe that person will develop more than they or you expected. Um, but I think it's okay to have a vision for a person, uh, for someone else other than yourself. Um, maybe that person doesn't even have a vision and you're helping them. Mm -hmm. So I completely, uh, you know, think that that was not a correct comment um, from the other. I'd like to hear further maybe why that person thinks so. But Yeah, I think that, that um, you know, I've had friends of mine that I've envisioned, you know, that, hey, you know, you got a book, that story you tell, you've got a book. Well, you know, I've always been thinking about writing one. Well, you know. Why don't you just start writing it? It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. You know, you've got a great story to tell. And next thing you know, they're writing a book. I definitely want to talk to you they're, then. They're doing <laughs> something that they've never done before. Yeah. You know? What, what, okay, what, so what, what, we, we were talking. 
we were talking about some of the behind the scenes stuff that we were doing. And, you know, I told Chris almost a year ago, I don't know how I can help with the organization. And now I'm working on a website. I would never think that I would be able to sit down and work on a website, you know, but I took those blinders off and I said, yes. And somebody believed in me and I said, okay, I can do it. I can figure it out. You know, what, 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 what see when you think about it <clears throat> and I shared this with people, Every time I talk to anyone that comes in, in, in front of me, when we cast a vision, it's like when I first talked to Sandy about this, I said, you know what? First thing that came to my mind, sharing care of Sandy. Next thing I've, I've I said, you know what? It's going to be conversations for humanity on Wednesday. And then <clears> with <throat> you, Carla, I said humanity happy hour. It was, well, that, it, it, that came from a um, sips and tips, a golf thing I was doing. Yeah, it did. You got a golf lesson, then you got to play hopefully nine holes, and then you got an adult beverage. So yeah. it became a happy hour. Yeah, exactly. But see, I believe, ladies, we're the author of our own story. And when we cast that vision on for another, are we going to, to be the director of that? Or, 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 or can we be an actual guide into that and saying, hey, if you're going to be the director of your story, maybe I can be that guide with you on that. And maybe through the possibilities that exist, maybe through the, not only the language that we use, which is future-based language is what we're thinking about today but casting that vision to such an extent and saying hey you know what i see a hidden gift that's inside of you marie carla sandy and then you in turn might even do the very same thing for me and i just i just truly believe it is it is truly reciprocal if we allow that to occur and we, that's what it, most people don't do they settle for what they're in. They settle for how they're stuck and they don't think of the future. They don't believe that the future can be theirs. And they don't do anything about it. They settle for the status quo. And I believe that you can design what you want your future to look like. Well, the other thing is, Carla, that a lot of what holds them back is fear. Mm -hmm. They're fearful of, of what would happen if they actually you know, stepped out and did something. And fear holds you back. And it's, oh, yeah. it's, really, it's, it's too bad because, you know, when people are fearful, they prevent themselves from moving forward. And that's really a shame because we should always be moving forward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially if you have a vision, so you want to move into that vision, you want to move forward and you want to develop and create and, and make that vision come alive. And if yeah. you can do that, and if your people understand the vision well enough to help you do that, then again, it's a win-win for everybody. But again, the, the leader needs to be able to articulate that vision in a way that people start to understand what they are aiming for and what that vision really is like. And if they can do that, then they have a far better chance of getting everybody on board and people knowing how they fit in to that vision. But mm -hmm. every, every business needs to have some kind of a vision and people need to buy into it and even, you know, make some alterations, make some suggestions. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
because maybe the vision can be improved. But the, the original person does need to have some picture in their mind of how they want to develop this and the direction that they want to go in and, and all those kinds of things. And, and if they're feel fearful and whatever, it's going to hold them back and they're not going to move forward. And they, you lose. You, and, you totally lose. And, and I, I'm I'm 110% with everybody because you guys are creating great value here. But then again, this is what I take from this. Literally, if someone has a vision and they have it in their brain, like with me, prime example, I have all these visions in my head. I just know that maybe the people that I surround myself with can be the literally the instruments that can actually articulate that maybe in the best way possible. Because see, I truly believe there's multiple paths to leadership, multiple paths to growth, multiple paths to thriving, even multiple paths to impact. Because if we meet people where they are and understand where, where they're actually wanting to go, how does that move them to go from A to B? How does that correlate to them in their model of the world? Are we able, not only as leaders, but more importantly as people, recognize if we step out of the model of the world that we work under, maybe just for a brief moment? And truly, I will go back because this is a great John C. Maxwell <coughs> Listen, learn, and lead. I truly believe we can literally understand where they're at. We may not entirely understand it, but we'll get a better sense if we can truly meet them where they are, empower them, show value to them, create that better environment that will create that better result. I mean, just because... If we do the wrong thing, it's going to create the wrong outcome. But if we do the right thing because we know it's the right thing to do, you can't go wrong with right. And for me, I just know by me surrounding myself with all these great people like Marie, Sandy, Carla, Anno, Christine, Christina, uh, Brian, Graham, I'm surrounding myself with people who know what they know far better than me because even when I have a vision, maybe that vision, it's just like what Brian has said many times. If we <clears> went <throat> the same Harry Potter movie, are we going to see the same exact Harry Potter movie that's on the screen? Or are we going to see four different or seven different or ten different versions of the very same movie? Which is it? Which one do you want? And in fact, here he is, none other the Mr. Brian Sumner himself. Hello, Brian. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, Chris. I'm out and about, so I apologize. Can't use the, the camera. That's oh, right. Awesome. No worries. No worries. So we would love to hear you your thoughts on about you were talking about like uh, what was the real first one you said was uh, future-based language is not creating um, – a vision for another. Why don't you start from there and, and just go from there? Future-based language is collaborative. It's it's speaking at level four and five of we are great and the world is great. 
as opposed to creating a vision for someone else's basically level three talking where I'm great, you're not. Um, it puts the onus on people to buy into someone else's vision. And that requires sales, buy-in, and a whole bunch of other things. And frankly, not everybody has the same vision for everything. So it, it, it's kind of a, it, that's your typical leadership. Most leaders believe that they're the smart ones. They have the answers. Um, you know, as I've told you, it's, it's predominant in a lot of industries where people who become the founders or the CEOs or run businesses or and start in charge of their classrooms or their own businesses or whatever, they think they have the answers and they're there to tell everyone else what they want to do with their business and get people to buy in. And the problem with that is that that's not a collective way about going about it. That's basically, I'm great, you're not. Um, Look at a lot of politicians. Politicians come out with wonderful policies. They're the ones who are going to save the world. They're great. Everyone else is stupid. Um, academics, people in academics, education, teachers, exactly the same thing. Most coaches go about it the exact same way. They have the answers and their students and clients don't, and they have to tell them how to go about it. So it's level two, level three talking. There's nothing wrong with it. The problem is it doesn't further the conversation, nor does it set up a, a, a collaborative environment to move things forward. You know, Future-based language is removing what happened in the past from the future. So most people live inside their head. We all make up stories about what's happening in the world. It's all a big made up story. We all have different stories. Most of the internal conversations we have at work or otherwise are negative. Something like 80% of our internal thoughts are negative. So what happens is when we enter into conversations in the workplace, most of them are negative in some form or fashion. And we make decisions based on how those situations show up to us, which have a negative bent to them. So we then create a future that's already predetermined about what happened before. Last time I went into a meeting, my boss yelled at me. I don't want to go into the meeting this time because he's, he or she is going to yell at me again. We have already set up circumstances for the next situation based on what happened in the past. And the point is what happened in the past has nothing to do with the next meeting or situation. The problem is we all believe that that is the case, right? It's, so most people live right into their pasts. It's a predetermined way, the default future. If you don't change anything, if you don't actively stop the conversation and create something new, your life is pretty much predetermined in terms of the decisions and stuff that you've made in the past. I like chocolate ice cream. So every time I go to the store, I get chocolate ice cream. There's it's so boring. It's repetitive and predictable. There's so many people that think that because they failed at something before that they're going to fail again. And every time that they try, they're going to fail. Of course. And the point is that they take that context and they find mounting evidence to support that narrative. Right. I mean, we all know people who can't get out of their own way for whatever reason. They love living in chaos. They have to exist in chaos for whatever yeah. reason. 
they will find mounting evidence. Wherever they look, they will find ways to make sure that their life is chaotic, even though they don't have to have it that way. And we all can see, or other people can see around them, be like, why are you doing this to yourself? Well, <laughs> people live in stories. They believe that their identity is them. They believe what other people have told them about themselves is them. And they carry these things along with them. We all do this to some extent everywhere we go, right? Carly, you play golf, so use a golf analogy. You know a lot of people who say, well, I'm a terrible putter. Well, I can almost guarantee you 99 out of 100 times that they walk up onto a green to putt, they have a conversation that says, I suck at this. And then their body responds exactly as they say. They you have yips. They the hit the. My point, yeah. Well, my point is what has your body has your mind. Right. So we have these stories and these identities that we bring with ourselves. So the fascinating part for me is that people buy into the negative identities more than they buy into their positive identities. Like, how often is it that you wake up in a day where it's like, today's an awesome day, everything's going to be great, let's go, and we can just relax all day. Like, most people wake up in the morning and they get into this, and they're like, what's wrong today, what do I have to do? They're already stressed out before they get out of bed and some craziness happens, and they go just about their life. But you have to actively pay attention. So, Chris, when I say creating a vision for another isn't future-based. No, it's level three. I'm great. You're suck or you're not as good. I'm going to tell you how to be. And that's fine. That's one way to communicate, but you're going to have a hard time finding people who are going to buy into what you buy into. Like your vision sounds great for bringing humanity to the workplace. If I help you, you help we, I help you, we help we. Great. Awesome. Frankly, it's a bunch of words to me and it doesn't resonate with me because that's not how I view the workplace. I don't work. I don't view the workplace as devoid of humanity. I don't look at the workplace as toxic and I don't consider uh, if I help someone, they're going to help me. It's not their responsibility to help me. And I'm not looking to work together. We can work together if we choose. Like my point is, I can create a different vision that makes sense for me and my company if I'm alone and I'm the only one doing it. Yeah. But if I'm going to create a vision for multiple people and multiple divisions and big corporations, you need some kind of buy-in. So you need other people to collectively put that in because everyone looks at a situation differently. So I, you can tell me that the workplace is toxic and there is no humanity in the workplace and I'll roll my eyes and say, thank you very much, but that's not my experience. And I'm not going to perform the way you want me to because I don't believe in what you say because that's not how it shows up to me. Now, I'm using that as an example because that's that's the problem that you, you, you're talking about here in terms of leadership. And that's why I tell you that in, in my opinion, Leadership in the way in which most people talk about it is simply just a description 
of someone giving an account of what they see, but that's not really leadership. It's like I tell you, you go watch Novak Djokovic play tennis. You can tell me all the wonderful things he does on the tennis court and what you see. And I can guarantee you Novak, who's playing tennis on the court, doesn't experience a damn thing that you just said or I've said or anyone else has said. Because that's not what it is. So future-based language is much more collaborative and creating some possibility that wasn't there before. So, Carla, yeah, you say your husband's not very good as a putter. He brings it. I'm, I'm a bad putter. I step up onto the putting green and he yips a putt and misses putts. Yeah. I'm gonna well, miss what putt. if the possibility was that I am a good putter? Or just because I was bad yesterday doesn't mean I'm going to be bad today. I don't have to buy into that story. See, the thoughts we have in our head are just thoughts. It's why I tell you there's a distinction between thinking and thoughts. Thoughts that we have are random, and they're more or less meaningless, and about 80% of them are negative. So it's a little like this, Chris. How many people do you like to hang around with who are negative and not nice to you? Any? Zero. 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 Yeah. Well, then let me ask you something. Why do you listen to your head and your voice, internal voice, which is 80% of the time negative. Would you hang around with someone who was 80% of the time negative to you? Good question. So so why so why do you believe and buy into the BS that comes out of your head? Like that's that's the question I always have, and that's the game behind it. Like I'm not gonna tell you to stop thinking or having thoughts, because that doesn't happen. My point is we make up stories about things to justify our actions. And my point of it all in a large part, Chris, is who cares? Why do we, why do we buy into the negative? Create something positive for yourself or empower it, it, it and it others. Does, exactly. And that's what I have had for this vision for what we're building out here at Bringing Mandy Together is to be empowering, uplifting, inspiring, collaborative engaging because i truly believe brian that the thing that interconnects us all is our very humanity and i just believe that is so powerful so marie you've heard a lot of what brian has been saying so what's your thoughts right now i think brian makes a lot of sense and um I agree with pretty much most of what he said. I'm, I'm not bringing that much to the party today. Sorry, I'm a little tired, but I do uh, agree with him. He has a lot of good points. Well, I think that you have to uh, you have to to be able to to say I'm going to be positive. You have to address those negative thoughts that are coming out of your brain that you're believing about yourself, and say. No, that's all, and recognize that is a negative thought and turn it into a positive. And then over time, I mean, you just don't say, tomorrow I'm going to be positive. It, it happens over time because before you know it, you're, you're going to have maybe a negative thought that comes into your head and you'll have to say, you idiot, why are you believing that? You know? Absolutely correct. I played golf this morning and I can assure you, I had plenty of negative thoughts. Yeah. Well, and, I, I put, uh, before the time change, I played with a girl and she was always telling me on the fourth hole, she says, I can never get it over the rough. 
I said, well, Joan, if you keep telling yourself, I, I found me sounding like you all the damn time, Brian. I was saying, Joan, if you keep saying you're not going to be able to hit it over the rough, you are not going to hit it over the rough. Mm -hmm. and, well, and, and if okay. you tell yourself you're going to hit it over it, and then it's only really 50 yards. It just looks like it's 150 because it's so damn deep. Just hit the ball, you know. And and then she then she hit it over the rough and she going, I've never done that before. I said, then stop saying that you can't do it because you've done it now. That's that's awesome. Yeah, and it's changing that mindset and how you talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. If we talk, if we talk to other people the way that we talk to ourselves sometimes, we wouldn't have any damn friends. That's true. I thought what yeah. you said about 80% uh, was very interesting. The 80% negative thoughts in our brain. I'd love to know where you got that from, but I do realize that it does happen all the time. Maria, I'll, I'll, I'll look. I know there's several studies and I have to look through. I, I know I have it somewhere. It's, it's between 70 and 80%. I know it's, it's in that range. Um, that is a really powerful statement and I yeah. love it and I'm going to share it because I'm going to give that to my daughter who I know must be doing the same thing to herself as a teenager. And I can't imagine what that would create in her brain as a teenager. So yeah. especially with social media feeding all this other crap to her. Um, yeah. So I am going to use that statement and run with it. So if you've got anything that backs it up, I'd love I'll, to hear it because that I'll is so important. It. Thank you. And, and see, and see, Marie, we can even use that here, bringing Amanda well, together. I love that. I, uh, it, so, that's one hundred percent true. I, I agree with Brian. So, Sandy, what's your thoughts right now? Well, I totally agree with Brian too, especially especially in golf, because you, you convince yourself that you can't do things, and so of course you can't. But it's true in every aspect of your life. If you keep saying I can't do that, or I'll never be able to do that, or I've never been able, to, well, then you're never going to be able to do it. So it's a matter of, of shutting that off and going, you know what? I'm going to do it this time. I can do it. I'm going to do it. And you'll have a far better chance of doing it because, you know, all this negativity, it just doesn't help us. And it's a matter of, of trying to be positive for yourself so that you can actually do more things. And so, yeah. Exactly. Exactly, Sandy. I mean, it's, it, it's that. And, and Carla, very simply, I create an intention to play golf. I create an intention for every shot, whatever it is. Me too. It's to experience something real. So much of golf isn't real. So all I do is as I assess my actions, whatever I'm doing with whatever I'm intending, was I present for my intention or did I go someplace else? Mm -hmm. And when I have a negative thought come up, like, don't hit it in the water or you're not going to be successful or this because the mind does what it does. I very, I very politely say, thank you very much for sharing. And I go right back to whatever I'm supposed to be doing, whatever my intention is. So it's not about stopping the thoughts. It's acknowledging them, thanking them. It's all part of the game and you move on. But, but I mean, I'm not saying stop them, but it's, it's a matter of, of realizing them and identifying them as negative thoughts and changing your thought process. Yes, yes, I mean, most you definitely. Can't go out and, you can't go out and play golf the first time and be perfect at it. I've been playing for 17 years and I'm still not perfect at it. But you so, know what? I go out there and I do the best I can anytime I go out. And you know what? I, I'm out there to have a good time. Yeah, so... 
so one of the things that I do is, is interesting. I so I just real quick story. I did this with a person and most people don't recognize where they're paying attention to. Most people are, are doing something else while they're playing golf, even though they think they're playing golf. And I was playing in a event with some people and this one guy hit a shot and I said, what was your target? And he said, Oh, it was, you know, the left side of the fairway. I said, okay. I said, stand up as if you're hitting the golf ball again. I said, is your target the left side of the fairway? He said, yes. I said, okay, take the club to the back, top of your backswing and stop. I said, he, so he does. I said, what's your target? He said, the ball. I said, oh, wait a minute. That's interesting. You just told me the target was the left side of the fairway. Did you realize that you changed targets in the middle of an action that takes two seconds? <laughs> and he looked at me with this blank stare of, whoa. And my point, though, is if you take that into business, people change their targets in meetings. It's I want to get through an agenda. And then five minutes into it, it's Sally smarter than Johnny. And Johnny wants to make sure he gets his point across. And so and so wants to do this. And all of a sudden you're off track because people are more attentive to what they're addicted to. And that's where it becomes wonky. <laughs> it, 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 and, and Brian, that's why I've learned so much from you and Graham and throughout these conversations that we've had. And, and I've, I, I personally have grown from this. I have. I personally have grown from Sandy's uh, great leadership and great uh, words of wisdom, same thing with Carla. And I know I will do that also with Marie. I just know that that is there. So it is truly amazing. So let's go to our final thoughts and call to action. So I will start with you, Miss Marie. What will be your final thoughts and call to action today? Please forgive me um, to get more sleep. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm really tired today. So my brain's not working at full capacity. Um, but I'm going to take um, the, I'm going to look into that uh, FBL, future-based language, and look a little bit more into that and uh, and kind of just examining it, massaging it a little bit. Um, and I think I'm going to also definitely call to action is share that negative thinking uh, with my daughter and try to let her recognize that it's happening. Um, but with, you know, right now I don't have any employees working for me, um, but I think that's gonna be an important message to give to um, anyone that I'm a leader for, including my, my daughter and my stepkids and the grandkids, because uh, that is huge. 80% of our thoughts are negative. I didn't even know that that was a thing. So I will definitely take that and run with it. Miss Carla. I was just looking it up. You can, I'm the queen of Google in this group. Okay. If I get a question, I Google it. So just Google 80% um, of our thoughts are negative. Um, but um, I think that my call to action would be don't let your past and being hooked on your past and things that have happened in the past uh, prevent you from developing a future that can be extraordinary. Take those blinders off and, and vision what your, you know, create a vision of what your future is, is, is like. Leave the past behind you. I, I, I second that. Miss Sandy. Well, I think we've got to really 
face the fact that, you know, if there's all this negativity going on in our brain, no wonder we're not doing much. So it's a matter of, of putting that aside. And I mean, golf is a perfect example. I mean, one of the golf courses that we golf at, at the very first hole, there's a big ditch in front of you. So, you know, if you're going to think about going into the ditch, you're going to go into the ditch. So Why is it every golf course is like that? I don't know, Carla. So I never think about going in the ditch. I just look down the fairway and figure, yep, I'm just going to send my ball down the fairway. I don't want to be in the ditch. So yeah, I'm not yeah. going to think about the ditch. And I think, you know, with things in our lives, that's how we have to look at things. Because again, what holds us back is fear and negativity. And if we don't get rid of that and start thinking more positively and, and actually visualizing us doing things well, then we're not. So it's just a matter of deciding that I can do this. I'm going to do this. I will do this. And I think if you take on that attitude, then you can probably do almost anything you, you think you can do. And it's just a matter of deciding. I mean, I told you guys, my son dared me to start this business. Mm -hmm. and I had no yeah. business background whatsoever, but I stepped back and thought, what have I got to lose? Yeah. I'm going to yeah. give it a try. So Every, every master was once a disaster. Well, you know, the thing is, Carla, there was a very steep learning curve in doing this. Oh, but, I but I embraced it. I just mm -hmm. figured, you know what? It's a good opportunity to learn some new things. Yeah. And yeah. so that was sort of my attitude about it. And yeah, there were there were mistakes and there were things that needed to be fixed. And and I told you that I thought people would ask for my business card, but of course they want to know about a website. I didn't even know what a website was. So, you know, I had to move into the 21st century and learn about different things that are expected today. And I told you the same thing about the law firm where I was using transparencies. <laughs> the HR manager said to me, you're looking very old fashioned, Sad. you need to learn PowerPoint. And I looked at it and it goes, what's PowerPoint? <laughs> so, you know, it's just a matter of, you've got to move forward with these things. And, you know, it's a fiddly program, but I had somebody come to the house and show me how to do it. And, I've gotten pretty good at it. So, but it's just a matter of, you have to decide that you're gonna be able to do things. And if you can decide that you can and be intentional and be positive about it, then there's no reason why you can't. And I think that most people can do whatever they intend to do if they approach it with a positive attitude and put away all this negativity. So I'm sorry that, you know, we're mostly 80% negative. Um, I, Personally, I don't think I am because I've never been like that. I like to move forward. I like to try new things and I like to learn new things. And you can only do that if you have a positive approach to things. And I think it's very important for people to take that approach. And um, I mean, both my kids do. And that's something that I sort of instilled in them. And it's just a matter of what are you doing? And what are you doing with the people with whom you work? and you know, so on and so forth. And I think, again, it's just a matter of deciding that you want to do something and you're going to do it. And if you take that attitude, I don't see any reason why you can't. So it's just a matter of being intentional. And I think if you are, you can do anything that you set your mind to. It's not that hard. But you know, a lot of people, the fear and the negativity prevents them from doing things. And I think that's very sad. I really do. I think it's a real shame because they're missing all kinds of cool stuff. And that's really a shame. So my call to action would be put away the negativity 
and just be intentional and decide that you're going to do whatever it is you want to do and you will it's just you know it's not that hard but you have to focus and you have to decide that you're not going to let fear and negativity hold you back from doing the things that you really want to do yep so you know i mean that's where it's at yeah so yep. that would be my call to action chris throw away the negativity <laughs> as best well, you can. Well, 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 for me, I'll go back to simply what my mother told me at a very early age. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter because it's mine over matter. And I have kept that with me for decades. But I also embrace the opportunity and possibilities that sometimes I may not even see myself. But if you can surround yourself with people who know what they know far better than you and you just literally just take a step back and be willing to learn, willing to listen, that's going to bring forth, I truly believe, like what Brian was saying, future-based future learning is about collaboration. And I believe in that. And that collaboration can go far and wide if we deem it so. Because not only is it going to help us from our point of view, but also it's going to help them from their point of view. And once we connect that together, that's where the collaboration and magic happens. And we will do that. And I truly believe in that. So again, thank you, Brian, Graham, Marie, Carla, and Sandy for another great and engaging conversation today. Uh, yes, I will definitely be thinking about the 80% of negative thoughts today, too. I am definitely going to be sharing that with some people. So we will see you all tomorrow for Conversation for Humanity. Have a great day. Make it your day. And we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great evening, everyone. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah.